0: and deciding whether you should say niche or yeah.
1: niche 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 nir-ch. niche niche it is a niche it
0: is a niche you, yeah. know. you must would... choose your niche for your business
1: you would not cool. say uh, it is a niche uh, but you it's want a... a niche no no it is not what you say you say uh, i want a niche i don't am i french still or no, something you've you
0: really just turned you've become almost german
1: that wasn't german no well
0: just because it's not angry i don't know it's gone weird
1: this is the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. I'm Tomo. And
0: I'm Mexi And we bring you the formula to discover travel freedom.
1: Step one, every Thursday, we'll show you how to travel the world in style full time for as little as $300 per person per
0: month. Step two, every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income.
1: So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. This is Money Mondays, episode 018. In this episode, we talk to Natalie Sisson from The Suitcase Entrepreneur about starting a new business, how to do it, and what it takes to be an entrepreneur.
2: I don't think every single person is cut out to be an entrepreneur. You'll know it if you are and that you've got you know, lots of ideas kind of happening, but you actually sort of take action on those ideas, that you want to be doing your own thing, that you want to determine your own hours of work, you want to be working on projects that you love, not necessarily what somebody else has told you to do. Those are really good signs to see if you should be an entrepreneur and that you have the guts and determination to see something through when there's hard times, because as we all know, running a business is not all fun and games and not all as sexy as we make it out to be. Natalie also tells us about the mindset shift that propelled her to digital stardom. If I could wake up tomorrow and do whatever the heck I wanted, what would it look like? Once I started doing that, massive shift started to happen. You just say yes to all the right opportunities, and you start saying no to all those things that have been holding you back, and you just get really focused in on the stuff that you do want to do and achieve. Then you just get this incredible momentum, and over the years, you'll just see it getting better and better and better.
1: Greetings, listeners. Welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. Hey. Hello there.
0: Wow, you've gone Richard Cheese on it. Oh,
1: you? yeah, why not? We've been listening to some Richard Cheese. And actually, we've got big, big news. Oh, my God,
0: have we got news. We are living in a freaking palace.
1: Yep, we've uh, come to Morocco and we have lucked out. Not kidding, this place is plush. It's huge. It's freaking awesome. But this is Monday. This is the business news time. So we're going to talk to you about the palace on Thursday right now. We've got to get us some business stuff, right?
0: Yeah. So first of all, we would very much like it if you could leave us a happy little review on iTunes.
1: Yeah, we like those stars, you see. And the more of those stars that we get, the happier we are.
0: But also it means that other people can listen to us because if there's more stars, people go, oh, that show might be interesting. And then they'll listen to us and then they'll get some kick-ass information too. Yeah. Don't keep it to yourselves, people. Share the love.
1: Yeah, so if you like the show and you want to keep it on the air, you've got to leave us some reviews because if we don't get more people listening, we're going to give up and do something else. No, we're not. Nah, we'll probably keep doing this for a while anyway. But
0: But it's nice to know people are out there listening. It helps our egos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I might quit if I don't get any reviews.
0: Oh, then you just have to listen to me. So I'd leave some reviews, people.
1: Yeah, thanks to everyone who sent us emails and questions and stuff. That's really awesome. But we'd love the reviews as well because that really helps us keep this stuff on the road. And on the iTunes. We did
0: get the haiku. Oh right? yeah, I forgot
1: we got a haiku. Yeah,
0: we're going to have to put that in the Thursday episode. We'll
1: be reading that out. Someone sent us a haiku for the travel homework from episode 13, I believe it was, when we set that homework. So, yep, yeah, that's coming. We'll put that out on a future episode. Uh, but but actual, actual
0: business news. Actual business
1: news. We, oh yes, yeah, good do news. Do, 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 do,
0: do. We are in print. Published print. Not just digital, online print, like real paper.
1: Or at least we will be in a couple of days, because the story is going out. We are going out in the That's Life Australian magazine. Weekly magazine comes out on Thursdays. $3.20. Is it $3.20? Well, there you go.
0: Under $5. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Fits perfectly. Got a big old story feature in there about our travel freedom lifestyle, what we've been doing over the last two years, stuff like crossing Mongolia overland and breaking down in the Gobi Desert. Lots of really cool stuff in the story. We've already seen the story and it's awesome.
0: Yeah. But the most important part about this magazine article is the fact that we're getting paid for it.
1: Money. Money.
0: Real money. Cash. That they're sending my check, which is really old school, but we'll forgive them as long as it arrives. Yes, yeah,
1: check. Awesome. But we didn't even have to write the story. This was written for us. We did a bit of an interview and then they wrote the whole story and it's going out and they're just sending us a check. Yep,
0: yeah, she actually did a really good job of it too. We were super happy because she actually read it back to us. It you
1: guys are gonna want to know how we did this, right? Yes. This is probably your thinking like good for you, you've made money, but you want to know how we actually achieved this.
0: Yeah, so we actually got featured in news.com.au and the Daily Mail Online and from that it sort of snowballed into other people seeing it. Now, the way we got featured on the news articles in the first place was a kick-ass pitch.
1: Yep, that's we pretty hoard much it. ourselves out to them. <laughs> we hoard ourselves. No, we didn't hoard ourselves. We wrote a good pitch. We sent it in by email to various editors. We had to approach quite a few editors before we got some traction with that. That was it. They went, cool. We liked the story. We're going to rewrite bits of it and put in our own take and do our own angle. And then it went out. And then it went out to more stories after that, more newspapers. Yeah. Because- so we
0: started with news.com.au, which was a completely free article that they just published. From that, we managed to also get a story with Yahoo Travel, which was paid for. And we now have continuing work with Yahoo Travel because of that story, which is amazing. And then also we got contacted by uh, That's Life and also Take 5. Uh, but because they were competitors, we went with That's Life because they asked us
1: first. Yeah. And they seem really nice.
0: Yes. Her name was Megan.
1: So yeah, she had the same name as Megan. Megan and Megan. Yes. So that was a good choice. So that's it. And now the story's gone into print. So basically getting a story out there to one big publication is often enough to roller coaster your way onto more.
0: Yeah. But it comes down to the pitch. You've got to have a great pitch. So how can you repeat this success?
1: Yeah. Do what you... is your story? What is your story? That's it. Exactly. What is your story? It can't just be I went to the butchers and bought some meat. You gotta do a little bit better than that, right? Yeah. What is your fascinating, unique story? What have you done in your life that is amazing that other people haven't done?
0: Or go out there and do something super awesome, pitch it the right way, and get paid.
1: Go and travel, for fuck's sake.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it is pretty hard. It is kind of I know we're all like, yeah, it all just happened so easily and oh my god. It was kind of hard and there was a lot of backwards and forwards and a lot of sending out of emails to many, many people using sidekick. Remember, back from our Mapping Megan episode, you sidekick to follow up and make sure they are opening your emails. And when they do, that's when you follow up and go, come on, let's do this.
1: Yep, exactly. So pitching. If you haven't been to the episodes on pitching that we've done in the past, episode 16 was definitely about pitching. Episode 6 was also about pitching. And we talk about it in general all the time because it's one of the most important things you're going to do. But yeah, so we're really excited. This Thursday, if you happen to be in Australia, go to the store, get a copy of That's Life. (laughs) $3.20, $3.20, pick up a copy.
0: Yeah, save us. Save us one, because we can't buy it. We so can't buy it. We're buy, there. Save us a copy.
1: We haven't been there in two years. We can't buy a yeah. copy. Someone's going to have to buy us a copy and send us a photograph of the article, which yeah. would be awesome.
0: But I mean, it has been a while since we've been in Australia, and my parents and family are really starting to miss us. And yeah, we probably should think about heading back to Oz sometime in the near future.
1: Yeah, but the cost of living is so bloody expensive, that's half the reason we left in the first place. But if we're only going to visit, we figured probably the best thing to do is we just pick up some house sits when we're there.
0: Absolutely. They're everywhere in Australia yeah
1: australia is an awesome place to go house sitting because so many people are into that already so there's loads available
0: but also look at doing house sitting gigs in your own country i'm going home to australia so i'm going to do some house sitting there so wherever you happen to be why not see if there's any house sits around your area because then you can stop paying rent jump on a few house sits, try and line them all up one after the other and then you can do your online
1: work exactly and with that alleviation of the rent problem that takes up so much money from your monthly outgoings, you're just gonna have so much more money to spend or put into savings, ready to escape to travel freedom.
0: Exactly, and it's not just accommodation, it's bills as well.
1: Yeah, of course, you're gonna save on all those bills, electric, gas, everything, all gone, don't have to pay for it. Yeah. So if you wanna get into house sitting, which we really recommend, the company we use all the time is Trusted House Sitters, and you can use our link $5planet.com slash house and the discount code 5DP to get 15% off your annual membership.
0: Yeah, it's like $80 a year with the discount. So less than the price of one night of a cheap hotel in Sydney or Brisbane. Yeah. They're expensive. Like a they dorm are. bed in Sydney is freaking expensive.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I say $80 for a hotel in Sydney, that's, which, a shit hole. that's an absolute shithole. If like you King's a... Cross,
0: you're going to have yeah. a hooker next door, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pulling some drinks right? Some people want that. Yeah, if that's what hey, you're don't, don't
1: rule out the people listening to this show who want prostitutes. No, Give of course Give them a fair not. go. Some of them come well, to hey, Australia for We stayed for in Broadway's. some
0: love hotels in Korea. That were very nice. Well, yes. And we didn't hear any hanky-panky.
1: I don't know if they're called love motels because of the uh, prostitutes or because of something else. Well, I you don't.
0: can hire them by the hour. Uh If you need well. to.
1: That's suspicious. That's for a
0: whole other story.
1: If you do decide to go to Australia, then of course, it's a really expensive country. Healthcare for visitors is really pricey. So you want to get yourself some insurance as well.
0: Absolutely. It's essential. So grab a policy with World Nomads, who are Australian as well, but they are obviously World Nomads. So they do insure over 140 countries. So see if your country is one of them. And they're by far the best insurer for long-term travellers. So you can get 5% discount on your policy by using the link $5planet.com slash worldnomads and the coupon code W-N-5-D-P.
1: Nice and easy. Okay, so on the show today, we've got Natalie Sisson who's gonna be talking about the back-to-basics of figuring out what business is right for you, becoming an entrepreneur, deciding your niche, you know, how to get promotion right off the bat when you start out. And
0: deciding whether you should say
1: niche or niche. Yeah, niche, 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 niche. I've
0: (laughs) heard so many people say it different ways. Well, We're
1: rolling with niche. I think it's niche because the French, it's a French word. Yeah. And they pronounce it niche. It's
0: the ultimate argument. Oh,
1: it is a niche. It is
0: a niche. You, yeah. may, you must I choose would, your niche for your business.
1: You would not cool. say uh, it is a niche. Uh, you so, want a niche? No. No, that is not what you say. You say uh, I want a niche. Yes, yeah, it is a niche. I don't, am I French still? Or I no, you've you
0: really just turned, you've become almost German. That wasn't
1: German. No, well,
0: just because it's not angry. I don't know. It's gone weird.
1: I must be missing Story Corner now. I'm doing silly accents. So maybe next episode, we'll get some Story Corner in and tell some random stories about some crazy shit we've been up to. Oh, we have some. But anyway, let's get on to Natalie Sisson. Hey, everyone. Today, we are taking it back to step one in the money making process. Whether you already have ideas about what business you want to start, or if you're just blogging and wondering how can you turn your blog into your new travel fund. If you're serious about making cash online, you need a business plan.
0: Deciding which sort of business and what niche is right for you is really tough. There's loads to think about, not least worrying if you're choosing the wrong thing or spend months working at something that's never gonna work.
1: Yeah, so today we've actually got an expert on the show who helps people choose the right business for them. And as always, our show is about travel freedom. And today our guest, Natalie Sisson, is all about the freedom plan. So we have similar goals, which is why we're very excited to have Natalie on the show this week.
0: Yeah, and if you uh, wanna create a business that you can run from anywhere, Natalie can help you do it. Uh, Natalie is the suitcase entrepreneur, which I'm sure heaps of you have heard about. Natalie, tell us about yourself and how you help people find travel freedom.
2: I basically live out of a suitcase, not in it as I often say. I've been traveling the world for the last, oh my goodness, let me just kind of think back on this. I've had my business for almost five years and I've been traveling pretty much full time out of a suitcase during that time. I have a blog, a podcast and video series and basically 90% of what I do is free. And then I have this wonderful part where I charge to help people to create businesses that they can support their lifestyle with. So I'm all about traveling the world, and I think you are fully able to have a profitable business that you love, that can come with you, that you can run from your laptop from anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what everyone on this show wants to learn about. And so, (laughs) yeah, I mean, this is the dream. This is the goal, right? And we're on our way to that, and that's what our podcast is all about, finding that and making that business successful. But I want to ask you How much of a background in business do people actually need, do listeners need to be successful in building an online business? Do they already need to know loads of stuff? Is this something they can learn quickly? Will they be successful no matter what background they're coming from?
2: Great question. I don't think every single person is cut out to be an entrepreneur. You'll know it if you are and that you've got, you know, lots of ideas kind of happening, but you actually sort of take action on those ideas that you want to be doing your own thing, that you want to determine your own hours of work, you want to be working on projects that you love, not necessarily what somebody else has told you to do. Those are really good signs to see if you should be an entrepreneur and that you have the guts and determination to see something through when there's hard times because, as we all know, running a business is not all fun and games and not all no. as sexy as we make it out to be. <laughs> um, and then in terms of can anybody like create uh, revenue streams from doing their own thing, I actually think absolutely. So I always talk often about the sweet spot and that intersection between what you already know what you enjoy doing and what people will pay you for. And I think a lot of people complicate this way too much. So if I'm actually a really good French cook, which by the way, I'm not, but if I'm a really good French cook, and I know how to do it and I enjoy doing it, right? It's something that lights me up. I throw dinner parties all the time and my friends are like, oh my God, I wish you could show me how you do this so effortlessly. And so you take them up on that often. You're like, okay, I've got an interested audience, my friends. How about I hold like a cooking class at my house and we have a dinner together and I show them and they just give me a nominal fee. And then you expand that into doing that online and then you create workshops and suddenly you've got a recipe book and then you've got your own show and you're on Oprah. I mean, it sounds a bit far-fetched, but that's kind of how it happens. You take something that you're already good at and you enjoy doing and that people would actually pay you for. And I think we often forsake that and go, oh, you know, I'm I'm really good at matchmaking, but it's just this thing that I do. Like, nobody would pay me for it. I mean, it's just it comes naturally to me, so you don't really think that it could be something that you could monetize. And that's the bit that most people miss. They're already doing it, but they don't realize that somebody else doesn't find it as easy to do or would find it really valuable to learn from them, even if they're only a few steps ahead of them.
1: Well, I saw in your book, which um, I'm very grateful you sent me a free copy at Christmas. Uh, I know you sent it out to everybody. It's it's not just me. It's everyone on the subscriber list got a free copy. So I have been reading through that. That's
0: a great Christmas present. Yeah, that's
1: a good Christmas present. I wish we'd given away (laughs) something like that free for Christmas.
0: Damn.
1: But yeah, I did read about the sweet spot in that. But for people who haven't read your book yet, which they should do, The Suitcase Entrepreneur is available on Amazon. Could you maybe explain briefly how that system works, how people can figure out what their sweet spot is?
2: Yeah. So I guess it's not rocket science, but ultimately what you can do is you can create this piece of paper grab a piece of paper and write down as many things that come to you that you actually enjoy doing this might be singing you know going out drinking socializing swimming dancing writing making problems seem more solvable whatever it is just write down a bunch of things that probably come naturally to you and just really brainstorm it out and so those are things that you enjoy doing and then in the second column you put stuff that you're good at so once again like big yourself up here and go you know what i'm really good at fixing plastering on the wall or I'm really good at editing people's copy because I'm constantly finding grammar and issues with that or I'm really good at seeing a design side for something or I'm good at solving people's problems around technology. And what you'll see is these kind of two columns, you'll see there's probably a bit of an overlap there that there are some things you're just actually good at, maybe even great at, And then some things that you enjoy doing or maybe even love doing. And then you look at the third column and you're like, okay, what sort of common problems that people are having that relate to these things? So yeah, I have quite a few friends and maybe they're thinking of writing a book right now or they're charged with writing reports or stories and they're not great at grammar. They're not good at editing. Could I offer my services to them and actually, you know, do some part-time editing to earn some extra money? You can see from there, whether as a freelancer, you like that or how you could expand that or whether actually you just prefer to do that for yourself. Cause that's a big part about the sweet spot There's some things you should just do for enjoyment always. And you should never try and, you know, make them into a business. Like I am never going to turn tennis into a business because I love playing it. Nor am I going to turn ultimate frisbee into business because it's my, it's my social time. It's my fitness time. And I don't want to relate it to work. But for some other things that you do naturally on it every single day, people are probably going to find that really useful and they'd actually pay you to help them to do it as well. Cool.
1: Yeah, okay. So
0: yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So it's really good that you sort of encourage that passion side of things because I think a lot of the problem is people do see these days is they get a little bit off track when coming up with a particular niche that they can do because they just see oh such and such is making money this way or such and such is making money that way. And they don't really put the passion behind it. The whole ethos, I guess, of being like an online entrepreneur is the passion. Would you
2: agree? Well, passion's got bandied around a lot recently, along with authenticity. And passion kind of just doesn't come and smack you on the face one day, which is the only reason I'm pulling that up is I see a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just not passionate about anything to start a business. And I don't think you start with passion. You start with, I like this, I enjoy this, I'm pretty excited about this. And it grows into passion as you become better at it, as you see more progress, as you get more results, as your business grows. So that's the one caveat I will make is I think people often sit around twiddling their thumbs going, well, surely it's just going to strike me in the face one day that I'm passionate about this. And I actually think it comes as you progress and you get better at something. That's when you really start to become passionate about what you're doing. Okay. And yes, it's very important but it's not the be-all and end-all at the beginning. Just so long as you can kind of, you know, you enjoy it and you can see some progress and you see some scope for learning and development. Once you start helping people with this thing that you're quite good at, you get a bit more excited about it, so you, you upskill more, you learn more things, you become better at it, they get even more excited at the people you're helping, then you become even better at it, then you become an expert, then you suddenly wake up one day and you're like, man, I love doing this, and that's where I think we all want to get to.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: the holy grail moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we love travelling, so it's great for us to be able to talk about travel. And um, so, I guess this is a good niche for us. But then, when we started out and we started in budget travel, and at the time we we're like, oh, this is a fantastic niche. Let's do budget travel. And then we've realized as we've moved along with this business that's budget travel. <laughs> yeah, budget travel is not a niche. Budget travel is just that's like a category. That's not a niche at all. It's way too big, it's too vague. And you know, there's too many sites already on the internet, roughly being budget travel. So if you're going to give people advice as to how to actually niche down to the point where you really do have a niche and it's not vague like budget travel is, in 2015, how can listeners really choose a good niche?
2: Great question. Well, I'd just like to know that you guys made the same mistake as I did and as many other people have done throughout the history of the world. So yeah. when I started my business, I was like, all women entrepreneurs around the world, which was brilliantly bad because obviously that's not a niche as you just pointed out. So I would say in 2015, from a niche perspective, and I actually have a book that I've written all about, Am I Your Customer? So finding your niche, charging what you're worth and understanding who your audience is because it's so critically important. So the biggest thing that I will say is that there are kind of three areas or niches across the world that have been consistently popular. And so let's see if I can get this right. Health and fitness is one of them. Relationships is another, and then business and finance. So, in the broadest possible spectrum, those three areas are always going to be important to us. We always want to be either slimmer or more beautiful or healthier or working on our mindset or our meditation. We always want to be interested in freelance, career, business, and having more money. And then relationships are just obviously integral to our everyday family, partners, children, etc. So, within that, you want to find a niche within a niche within a niche. So, for example, within the fitness niche, There could be that you become the green smoothie expert for lovers of kale. That is actually a pretty specific niche. So tons of people are talking about fitness, not a niche. Tons of people are talking about green smoothies, but how many people are specifically talking about only green smoothies made with kale with a whole lot of benefits and spin-off products and programs that you can do just about kale?
0: Talking about the product, do you think it's better to choose the product and then build the website around that or is it better to gain an audience and then decide on a product that comes from you know the audience yeah from that feedback yeah who follow you great
2: question you should always go to where is the problem and how can you solve it based off what we talked about before that sweet spot so when i initially started i realized well it wasn't just that i wanted to inspire all women entrepreneurs around the world but i specifically wanted to talk to people in the tech industry who were women who were co-founders or ceos that was where i was at at the time these days i know that i have two distinct audiences in my community who i cater to actually there's three avatars but One of them is based off the same. So the first one is people who are still in a job, 9 to 5, but they're not happy in it because I know there's lots of people who are happy in their jobs. Um, So they're in the 9 to 5. They desperately want to break out and start their own business. They want to do a side hustle or just quit and start their own job. So they're at that point where they need advice and strategies and tips and motivation for that. And then I know my other avatar is established entrepreneurs. So they've had their business for six months, a month, uh, sorry, a year, and preferably more. They're actually earning pretty well, but they don't have personal freedom within that. So they've kind of built themselves a job. So the business might be going well, but they don't have a lot of time. They may be not making quite enough money that they want, and they want better systems. They want to outsource. They want more freedom. And they either want to do that while traveling the world, or they want to do that staying at home, but having more freedom in their daily life. So I know that anything I produce needs to fit for one of those two audiences. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Can we Um, maybe expand just a little bit more on the importance of having an avatar? Like a lot of people coming into the the business might not actually realise the importance because I think one of the main stories I heard was that Stephen King writes every one of his books for his wife. So he knows it would be a good book if his wife... If he knows his wife would enjoy it, <laughs> like his wife is his avatar.
2: So, d- would you That's mind maybe cool. expanding a little more on like yeah. what it is and why it's yeah? Important? How do you choose one as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, an avatar. I mean, we've seen the movie Avatar, which is kind of that. But it basically, it's your ideal person brought to sort of life in the physical present. So, you give them a name, you give them an age, you give them a demographic. You get into their head, and you think about. Jennifer she's 23 she's um, finished university she's in her first job and she's already you know not enjoying it she desperately wants to start a floral boutique and to be able to travel three months of the year she spends her time with her girlfriends, they, you know, they go out clubbing, they go to bars, but they're also into yoga and meditation. She worries about her finances. She worries about her young sister who's coming up, stuff like that. Like you get so into the head, you build this profile of this ideal person and how you do that. I mean, it's also in my book, but there's a series of questions you can ask people who sort of fit that profile. You'll also be having conversations with people daily, especially like you guys and me of traveling all the time. You just meet people and you start to learn their fears and their desires and what they're worried about and what they're excited about. And so you turn this into this ideal person who would be great for whatever products and services you're going to create and produce. And every time you create or produce anything, you literally ask Jennifer, would she like this? So I love that Stephen King does that because it just narrows your focus down so much. You're not trying to cater to everybody, which is a recipe for disaster. You're catering to this one specific person because you know their desires. You know that you can help them. And you know that they will probably buy anything you put out because you understand what they need.
0: Although with that in mind, Stephen King's wife must be a bit of a freak. <laughs> <Just
1: saying. laughs> she likes some weird shit. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> just thought about that. So like crazy clowns and killer clowns. Yeah. We're
1: not saying that everyone needs their wife to be their avatar either. But, you know, choose someone who you can picture maybe buying your products in the future, I suppose. That's what we're saying. Would your wife buy your products? Probably not. Probably <laughs> she'd get them for free. So, yeah, maybe it's the wrong person.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, That's so funny.
1: Just create that ideal person. And we've got one for our podcast as well, who's called Brian.
0: Brian, because we've just been watching a lot of Monty Python and uh, we'd watched The Life of Brian. And uh, when we created our avatar, we are like, he's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy. <laughs> so we're going through a bit of a Monty Python phase. Yes, always.
1: We have to get through it all because it's awesome. So there you go, plug for Monty Python. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but but, you know, I've still not watched enough Monty Python. I was always a Malcolm & Wise fan. And uh-huh. uh, Monty Python was something my dad was brought up on, and he's often told me that. So I do need to get into it, because I know they just recently did uh, a concert and kind of a revival. And I they think, did. Yes. We mm-hmm. saw it.
1: We were lucky enough to be in France when it was live on Sky. So. Oh, Wow. Yes, it was live from the O2 in London, projected all the way around the world. So it's crazy. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. All right. <laughs> Randomly going off topic to Monty Python. Why not? <laughs> well, that's what they do. That's what the entire show is about. They the just go two. off topic for half an hour every episode. Dead parrots
0: what not. It just doesn't make up. any sense,
1: but it's awesome. Okay, so you've got your avatar, maybe you've already got an idea about your niche and you're sort of going, okay, so I've got the right sort of business plan and niche for this person. This is the product that they're going to want. How do you make sure that there's actually enough people out there that are interested and are going to be wanting to get this product once it's released?
2: Great question. Well, hopefully during the time that you've been kind of bringing this product to life or this program or this service, you've been growing a little bit of a community and audience just through even the people you've been talking to, some of the networking you've been doing. Of course, you're on social media because who isn't these days, especially is it one and a half billion on Facebook now. So if I was um, starting from absolute scratch, there's a couple of ways that I would do this now, now that I've got hindsight, to grow an audience pretty quickly. I would use Facebook advertising, to be honest, just because there's that many people on it. And I would absolutely hone down onto that perfect niche demographic that I've identified. And I would have a really great little landing page that says, hey, I'm Blah, and this is what I do, and this is who I want to help, and this is this awesome thing I've created buy it or jump on the email list to learn more about it. And that would be what I would drive Facebook advertising to do because you can spend not too much to kind of test whether you are in fact completely wrong or completely right. And so that would be a great way to start building a list, even make some sales, but also test whether you have this right audience. Outside of that, the quickest way to kind of getting an audience when you don't have it is to reach out to people who do. So um, look at influencers in the niche that you're in. So you guys, there's tons of obviously travel bloggers and people in that industry, but who are the absolute movers and shakers who have huge email subscriber list, massive blog communities, massive presence on social media and start basically engaging with them and seeing if they would be interested in checking it out for free, mentioning it even to their audience if there's an option that they'd even promote it which is a little bit further along if you haven't developed the relationship but just even engaging in their Facebook page or their groups because they will already have the audience that you need. There are a couple of ways to fast track to immediately get it in front of the right people rather than wasting your time with tons of other people. Um, there's plenty more, but I'd say if I was really starting from scratch, those would be some of the things. And outside of that, putting out a guest post or getting a slot on somebody's podcast where you can talk about your expertise, why you're excited about this thing, not just this thing, but you can talk about the problem at hand and how this solves it so that there's always lots of value for the listeners who are there. And even if you don't get sales immediately from that, you will get people who become fans and then get into your community and go through the kind of life cycle of eventually buying from you and becoming awesome fans, super fans.
0: One of the things I was really impressed with was that you launched your book on Kickstarter. Now, I think this is a thing that a lot of people wouldn't have considered as an option for, you know, getting, your, getting a book out there or getting a product out there, but that you utilized that as a way to find new followers. I'm sure you found like a bunch of new people through that and also raise the funds that you needed to release your book. So what made you come across the idea of using Kickstarter and how effective did you find it to be?
2: Well, first off, is that the midnight clock? Are we all going to turn into pumpkins? Because that would be pretty Uh, awesome. I think uh, it's such a beautiful sound. It reminds me of, like, being in some ancient English um, hallway and having the grandfather clock strike.
1: It's the 10 to 11 clock, apparently.
2: Ah, excellent, of course. Uh,
1: It's obviously set wrong, yeah. (laughs) So, unfortunately, the dog hasn't turned into a pumpkin, so he's probably going to start barking again in a minute. But, you know...
2: (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Maybe in the um, next hour. Put a glass slipper on him and see what happens. Oh, my goodness. I totally lost Yes, yeah, so crowdfunding on um, I Used Kickstarter was, I actually think, thank you very much, a bit of a genius idea. More and more people do it now, but at the time I was just fascinated by the crowdfunding process and the, this kind of platform that had just come out of nowhere where suddenly everybody had the ability to get people supporting a project or a passion that they had by putting their money where their mouth was yeah. and actually going, yeah, I want to support this. I'm going to pay for you to develop it, get the prototype, get it out there. And in return, I'm kind of investing in your dream. So I love that concept. Obviously, I like to invest in other people's dreams. I want to become more of an angel investor in the next couple of years. And I, I'd like to think that through my programs and scholarships and stuff that I do, I'm really helping people to follow their dreams. But this was allowing me to go, you know what? I want to write a book. I put it out there in big time testing it and said, if you want me to write this book on creating freedom of business and adventure in life, then please support me. And it went incredibly well. It got 121% overfunded. And what's more is I kind of had this inbuilt community straight away of around 200 people who pledged. And I beat my targeting goal of the fundraising so I could actually pay for you know, the website, the book promotion, the actual supplies of it, getting an editor, a copywriter, a book cover design. And I also put in quite a lot of my own money. But it was more the fact that I got this suddenly this 200 interested people and tons more who'd seen the promotion who were now all rooting for me to get this book done. The second part of it is it gave me a massive accountability to get it done because I said, great, this Kickstarter started in March, it ended just before my birthday in early April. And then I was like, you'll have your book in late July. And I hadn't even written much of it. I'd literally written maybe 3% of my book. So I now had massive accountability and a great time frame in order to put my head down and just write. And I work really well with deadlines. It's one of the things that motivates me. So I would post on social media locations where I was writing it from, and I'd get input from people on the cover design. And it was incredible how many people cared and were interested. So that by the time the book came out, in um, it did come out late July to all those people. It went on Amazon like very early August. And the minute it went out, it became like a bestseller in a few days because so many people had been following the journey for that six months. So in hindsight, it was brilliant. Plus, one of the pledges was that people could pay to be an editor. And like 15 people paid to be my editor. I mean, that's just ludicrous. Normally you pay somebody a lot of money to be an editor. So it was just very cool because I've had people even come up to me now and say, I really felt like I helped you write that book or I felt like it was my book. So I was so excited when it hit number one and I was like, thanks. (laughs) Um, It was just a really awesome idea. And of course, it's just a really great marketing tool. Plus, it really allows you to test whether what you have is useful and valuable. Is
1: this story typical of other people using the Kickstarter campaigns, or were you particularly lucky that you got so much extra promotion aside from the money you made to actually have yeah people feeling they like they're involved with writing your book and? You know, they really became part of the process. Is that what happens all the time or is this really unique?
2: No, I I mean, I've seen far more successful campaigns for books um, with people who have much bigger communities and people who don't have anything at all. So, I mean, I hustled hard during that campaign and the life of the 30-day campaign is all about you marketing it, promoting it, and getting people who have supported it to then do the same. So there's a lot of work in a campaign. I would say it was like a full-time job for at least a couple of months with the preparation for it, the video and everything. And I didn't even do one of those super flash videos that you see these days. So it's become an art form to get a great crowdfunding campaign. And I will be doing one this year, which will just be completely different in terms of its scope and professionalism. But I think what works is a story. People really resonate with a story. Once again, I knew that people are interested in having more freedom in life and living the dream and creating their own ideal business to fit their lifestyle. It's very important to people, as you said. Most people deep down want to be doing something related to that, or they desire to do that, or they want the incentive to. So I think from a topic point of view, it was always going to be popular. But what made it successful is the real story behind it. My genuine plea for, like, I would love to write this book, but I really need your support, not coming across as if I had all the answers and saying, you know, if you think this should be written, then pledge your support. So I see a lot of other people who just don't get that right. They talk all around the topic. They talk about research. They talk about facts, and they don't have the why why mm. does this need to be done? Or how does this relate to you? And can you see yourself in this story? And that's that's the key for any successful crowdfunding campaign. I would say, just coming back to your question, Kickstarter is great. It's become a platform that is great for prototypes of games, new things like luggage. I bought some really awesome luggage on there recently. Physical things are going really well on there or gaming and digital. I would say Indiegogo is more the platform for kind of world-changing missions or smaller projects. They just all have all the crowdfunding platforms and there are 500 plus all have different areas and themes and, yeah, aspects of them that work pretty well. So I would say depending on your project, I would search out and see which of the platforms are giving the most successful results for books versus music. Versus documentaries, etc.
0: Find the best one that's out there for for what it is. That you're
1: yeah, selling. yeah. Do the research first. Don't just assume that Kickstarter is the only the only program for you. Yeah, I mean it is a
2: beautiful one, but there are many others. And I actually, I wrote a book about kickstarting as well because I was so well about crowdfunding because I was so fascinated by the project that during writing my own suitcase entrepreneur book, I also finished this crowdfunding guide to running a successful campaign
1: as if the deadline wasn't tight enough already you thought you'd write a second book at the same time why not yeah. <laughs> why not
2: and it's, it's been really successful and, and i do sort of point out the top platforms and, and a whole lot of tips for doing your own crowdfunding campaign so that's that was really useful for people too
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, we, we've got a link to the Kickstarter book if you jump on the show notes uh, for this episode and you can get a link straight to that Kickstarter book. And you can learn all about the crowdfunding process and how Natalie managed to get her book well funded and be very successful out of it. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, that's the reason why we actually ended up in touch with you because we we're quite active in quite a few Facebook groups, which if people don't know, getting involved in different Facebook groups is a really great way to learn from other people in your in your, in, your in your particular yeah, niche in so your area. ours yeah ours is travel blogging and so we're in a lot of travel blogging facebook groups and we threw out there because we were like all right we're really interested in online entrepreneurs and who is it that's inspired you and the number one response that came through was suitcase entrepreneur which is where we we reached out to you and we like hey guess what you're number one <laughs> and uh, and you said yay <laughs>
1: yeah so it worked out nicely
0: yeah
1: okay so, yes, you've got millions of books out, which is awesome because there's all oh, lots of really useful information in there. As I say, I'm almost through Suitcase Entrepreneur, so I'm catching up. And we also realized that you have a course coming out which aligns very closely with what we're talking about on our show every single week about travel freedom. Yours is called The Freedom Plan, and I'm seeing that's getting released in April. Is that right? What's that about?
2: Yeah, very exciting. April is the sort of kickoff month where I'm putting out a, a wonderful three part video series to just help people understand what business is going to support their lifestyle, what freedom really means, what travel and business and all those good things are about. But more importantly, like how do you live your best life and a true life of freedom? Uh, it actually starts on the 1st of May, but it's my flagship program that I created last year. It's basically, I looked at my book, which I put a lot of effort into writing, which was a years of combination of experience and application in my own world, but plus with all my clients and customers. I took that and I took every single thing that I've done well over the almost last five years of business and I put it into this eight-week program where I really broke down the levels of mastery on how do you do this for yourself. So I'm super proud of it. I had 100 people go through it last year, which was incredible, and the results have been outstanding. More importantly, just because people got off their butts and recognized what they really wanted out of life and for their business, and then they started making it a reality. So at the end of the eight weeks, you come out with this freedom plan, your own personal plan to get freedom of business and adventure in life. And some people get very far along, and others are at different stages, but every single person seemed to have an aha moment where they either identified their niche or their customer, or they figured out their level of location independence, or they created their painted picture for their three year vision or their perfect day. So I was really proud of the fact that I worked hard on the curriculum to make sure that it was something that you went through the stages on and became very involved in the progress of and the results of, and that you could actually see every action that you were taking was taking you further to your, making your dreams a reality. So yeah. that's what it is. Awesome. Fantastic.
1: And so obviously now you've been going at least since 2010 as a full time traveler, is that correct? Yeah, it it
2: is. Yeah, actually it was right at the end of 2010 that I took off and went, right, I've done my first workshop and I've created an online product. Now I'm just going to go traveling the world because, of course, that just makes things easier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is. We love the freedom of leaving all our stuff behind. And this is the the whole travel freedom thing works on so many levels. It's not just about being free in a financial sense because you have that income coming in. It is also just, yeah, getting rid of all that stuff that feels more like a ball and chain than it does like an advantage half the time. I love not having a car most of the time. I just hear these stories about people whose car got stolen or their tires got slashed. I heard one of those this week. I'm like, I'm so glad I don't have a car. I don't have to worry about any of this anymore. It's amazing. It's just so much better. But I mean, that's our story. But what's your story? What does travel freedom feel like for you?
2: Oh, that's a great question. For me, it just means getting to go where I want, when I want and do what I want. And that's pretty much what I do, but um, over the years I've always chosen destinations where I either hadn't been to the country, or I had friends or connections that I just wanted to meet and spend time with, or there was some conference or event going on that made it even more worthwhile. Or there was an ultimate frisbee tournament, and if I had all four, I was like, brilliant! This is exactly where I'm going. But I just love the fact that I can change. Yeah, frisbee. Um, that I can change my mind when I want, and really I can dictate where I want to go based off my absolute own desires and needs and it may sound ridiculously selfish but I feel like I've kind of earned it so I go to countries I haven't been to that might challenge me or different languages or cultures or just to spend time with those friends and I think it's a really beautiful way to travel I'm quite specific about it now like I am a bit more strategic I've planned out my entire year this year I'm going to places for definite reasons for conferences that I'm speaking at for time off for digital sabbaticals for staying in beautiful villas in Bali Uh, and every single place I'm going there's a purpose and a reason but it's also I'm so looking forward to it it's a lot of fun And that, to me, is true freedom.
1: This is the lifestyle that everybody wants, or at least we want. I know there are people out there who just want to stay in one place, and we meet people like that all the time. But I think there's such a community now, and it's so different from what it was maybe five or ten years ago. I mean, my parents still don't really understand why I'm doing this, but people around my own age, people who are in their 20s and 30s, are like, yeah, I really get why this lifestyle is so cool and why it's such a great ambition to have to actually get this travel freedom. And, yeah, we're obviously teaching that you don't have to be a millionaire to do it. And I'm guessing you're not quite a millionaire yet, but maybe you're on the way to it. It's there. It's there for everybody. You just have, if you want it, if you really want it, you can go out and find it. You can go out and make it happen. And it's great to see that you've obviously gone and done that. And we are very, very positive that we're on our way to that as well. And we hope everyone listening is also planning, plotting, To make the same thing happen for them. Scheming. Scheming. Because that's what it's about.
2: You know, the the biggest thing that I teach in this Freedom Plan program, which I have been amazed at the results of, and this is why I'm so excited about it, is getting really clear on what you do want out of life. Mm. Because you guys are pretty clear on that, right? But the minute you do that, and you go, where would I like to be in a year from now, even three years from now? Like, if I could wake up tomorrow and do whatever the heck I wanted what would it look like? And once I started doing that, that's when massive shifts started to happen. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like Pantene. But you start to actually, you just say yes to all the right opportunities. And you start saying no to all those things that have been holding you back or have been maybe making you play a smaller game. And you just get really focused in on the stuff that you do want to do and achieve. And then like the universe steps up and goes, finally, you've figured out what you want to do. Now let me help you. And honestly, <laughs> it's not that simple, but that's kind of what happens. And then you just get this incredible momentum. And over the years, you'll just see it getting better and better and better.
0: The universe just slaps you in the forehead and is like, what have you been <laughs> doing?
1: I wish you would slap me in the forehead with money rather than just slapping me. It's, it's like, come on, hit me around the face with a one of notes. Come on.
0: But uh, with uh, everything that you have like achieved now and the place that you are in, if you yes. could go back to where it all began, go back to 2010 when you packed that suitcase and launched Suitcase Entrepreneur, what piece of advice would you give past, Natalie, about uh, starting an online business?
2: I absolutely think about this all the time, actually, which is to believe in yourself and just get going. I mean, I'm a pretty big action taker. I don't get put off by stuff. I'm pretty good at taking risks and backing myself. But when I first started, I was so terrified, I think, of entrepreneurship. I mean, even though I jumped straight into it, it's all so exciting, like, yeah, I'm going to quit and I'm going to I'm going to do my own thing. And then you do it and you're like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I have $18 in my bank account. I have a blog. I have no idea how to monetize it. What was I thinking? So I think looking back, I'm really glad I did that. I made it extra hard on myself to succeed. But I really wish I'd kind of backed myself. And that's not something that comes, you know, naturally straight away. But I really wish I just believed that I was capable beyond all imagination of being able to do exactly what I wanted. And I believe everybody is. It does take time to get yourself into that mindset, but you are capable of so much more than you ever even imagine. And I really wish I'd believed that in those first few months because I took probably an extra three or six months extra just kind of pussyfooting around, and not making a full decision, building a community and having lots of fun, but kind of avoiding the tough question, which was how are you going to make money from this? How are you going to survive? And I wish that for everybody because I see it as a pretty common sort of startup mistake that people do is they're not very set straight away on, okay, what do I want out of this? How can I go about getting this? Who can I have on my team or in my mentor group or in my mastermind to just get me going on this path straight away? So back yourself. And I definitely recommend reading Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. But I just love the book. It's a short read, and it basically says you just got to step up and juice yourself and turn pro even when you feel like a complete fraudster and novice, and it makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, I I think one of the mistakes that we made straight up was – looking back, there's so many courses available and there's so many things available that help people learn how to do this. And we sort of refused to get involved in any of those communities. We went, we know what we're doing. We'll We'll figure this out. We'll just look at a few online guides that are free and that'll be fine. If we just invested a little bit of money, we'd already be making a lot more money now. It would have been a very good return on investment, which we didn't get, which is very foolish. So I think...
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Talking to listeners directly... I would say go out there and find a course that aligns with what you're trying to do and just do it. Don't hold back and go, oh, I don't really want to get involved. I don't know if I want to spend the money. That's my biggest regret. I really wish we'd done that because then we wouldn't have been going into this blind, which we really did. It's taken us two years to sort of get on track and figure out what we're actually doing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Yeah, but you're doing it, you know, and that's 90% more than other people who talk about the act of doing and don't do, uh, which is why I love Yoda's quote of, do or do not, there is no try. It's pretty much how I live my life. So when I'm procrastinating or putting something off, I'm like, just do it. But I will say, it's great that you've recognized that. There are also people who only ever take courses and programs, not trying to put them off taking the freedom plan, because that is an awesome one, but they take (laughs) courses and programs for like years and years and years, and they never do anything about it. So it's almost like the act of buying is going to give them the God-given right to go out and do this Mm. thing, whereas you actually need to put in the effort and take action and apply it. So I think choose the right programs, courses, people, learn from them, then go away and apply, apply, apply. And then when you need that next upgrade or that next skill push or that next level, you go and do something else again. And then you go away and apply and make it happen. Awesome
0: yeah. tip. Yeah. It definitely makes sense because yeah, you can you can definitely go from course to course to course and you can build <laughs> so much anything. information and then if you don't <laughs> actually like put it into action, you're just gonna be this person who has a lot of marketing information to talk about at a dinner party and it you know you're not gonna really
1: i find myself advising people on marketing because i've read so many marketing books in the last six months and then i go geez well why am i not following my own advice why am i not applying (laughs) some of this stuff i'm telling other people to do it this is crazy
2: do you know why because it's so much easier to advise others on what they should be doing rather than do it for yourself just like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast before we got live and we did a little jamming mastermind session and I was like brilliant I should actually be doing that rather than telling you guys and so we'll all do it together and hold each other to it exactly (laughs) we'll come back in a year's time and be like what have you done Even in a week's time. A good friend of mine, Ashley Amberger, did something years ago. She called it 97 and 11. So you can figure out that it was 2011. And she wanted to make $97,000, not 100,000, because everybody always wants the six figures. She wanted to make 97,000. And at that point, I don't think she was making anywhere near that. And she basically set about doing that. And people would pay to be, I think it was $20 a month to be in this little program. And she'd just send out an email every maybe three or four times a month with exactly what she was doing and all her hopes and fears. And what she was hustling on. And you know what, she absolutely cracked that goal. I think she made like 120, um, but it was brilliant because there's nothing better than putting out something and going, okay, this year I'm gonna make 97,000 and you're gonna see me do that or fail miserably and fall flat on my ass. But the point was it was massive motivation for her to get off her ass and do it. And it also showed other people how to do it at the same time.
1: Thanks to Natalie for joining us and entertaining us and informing us.
0: Yeah, but other than uh, releasing your fantastic new course that's gonna change people's lives forever, What else have you got coming up in 2015?
2: Oh my God, I'm so excited. So I basically uh, am off to Australia where I'm shooting a whole bunch of videos for this Freedom Plan launch and going to see the tennis. I'm spending seven weeks in Bali with some incredible friends, great people running a retreat while I'm there and just working on my own business and enjoying what Bali has to offer. I've got two and a half to three months in the US where I'm going to be speaking at conferences and once again... Really, my focus this year is on hanging out with the right people, my friends, and spending quality time with them, a little bit less travel. And then on to Europe where I'm going to get more conferences, playing ultimate frisbee, and embarking on the right to freedom movement, which is a whole other facet for this year, still based on freedom, but I want to create the world's first ever global study on freedom and a whole framework around that, including a documentary and a book and all this stuff. It's a three to five year big ass plan, but I'm very excited about it. So I have a very focused year split into the freedom plan, and then the right to freedom, with obviously freedom being the big focus. So I'm very excited. That's so, very
0: cool. So if people uh, jump on to your website, well, we've
1: actually got a direct link. We do from five dollar planetcom slash freedom plan.
0: So if they sign up, they can keep up with all of your fantastic conferences and advancements with your freedom yeah, plan. Yeah, and exactly for the what's happening
1: year. with the launch and yeah. everything. Plus, yeah, if you're doing some conferences, you're not happening to turn up at the TBEX Travel Bloggers Conference, are you, by any chance?
2: Uh, oh, I might be. I did consider it. Ah, I want well, to talk we'll to you guys be about that. see. So. Excellent, yes. No, I've never been to one yet, and I was considering should I be over in Europe for that. So I will check in on the timing, and maybe we will meet there. That would be very cool.
0: There
1: is a lot of free alcohol at those conferences. Yeah,
2: we'll buy
0: you a free beer for sure.
1: Yeah,
2: You'll we'll wait in the beer.
1: line. I love it. We'll <laughs> in, wait in the line at the bar for you and get your beer for okay. you. So,
2: you know. I don't actually drink beer, so uh, wine. you can buy me a wine. Oh, yes, wine, yes. A wine. Wine, yes.
1: <laughs> There'll be plenty of free wine there as well. That's the Spanish, advantage. Though.
0: so you can move from the New Zealand wine into the Spanish wine
1: yeah it's in Girona which is like the new up-and-coming alternative to Barcelona it's just up the road so we're very excited awesome
2: that actually sounds like a brilliant idea because Spain is my favorite country in the world of all the ones that I've been to it's still the one that I love the most and I do want to buy an investment property there and live there for several months of each year so maybe I should come and check out my fair Girona
1: yes Mm -hmm. I would so thanks Natalie thanks for joining us on the show and awesome good luck with your launch
2: thank you and thanks so much for having me Okay. And in case you
1: didn't get that link earlier, if you want to get into the advanced party for Natalie's new complete course on finding a freedom business for you, then head to 5 planet.com slash freedom plan. You can get on the VIP list for free and Natalie will send you emails with lots of useful content about turning your business location independent or just starting a new business that can be location independent. That simple really. Jump on there. It's free. You'll find out all about it.
0: Okay, it's that time again when it's time for your travel homework.
1: Yep, this week, as we've been talking all about businesses deciding on what business you want, we want you to figure out what is your USP, your unique selling point? What is it that makes you, you, and better than other people that are doing a similar thing? Are you funnier? Do, do you, you
0: take better photos?
1: Ooh, do you have amazing stories?
0: Do you have secret knowledge?
1: Ooh, no. No, I do. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Because it's a secret!
0: A secret. <laughs> <laughs> What is it?
1: What is it that you do that is something that you love doing so that you'll have a passion for it and that you do just a little bit better than other people? You don't have to be the best in the world. And this is something that stops people. They go, oh, I'm not the best in the world, so I might as well not bother. You don't have to be the best in the world. You have to be relatively good at it, better than the average person so that you can help other people. Or you do it your own way. Don't try and do stuff better. Do it different. That works as well.
0: That's it. Go find your USP. Go.
1: Go now. But come back for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the $5 Planet Travel Podcast.
0: Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at $5planet.com.
1: So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income.
0: Or for Travel Thursdays, we will help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget.
1: We are waiting for your comments, feedback and $5 travel tips. So
0: tweet us at $5travel with the number 5.
1: Or email info at $5planet.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megsy. Catch us again
2: on Mondays and Thursdays on the $5 Planet. Bye for now. Bye-bye.